0: So good to see y'all this morning. Um, Like Montessori said, uh, so so grateful. If you're visiting for the very first time, we're we're glad you're here. Um, Please let us know that you are here. Uh, Let us connect with you. Uh, Yeah. How about we just jump right into prayer? God, grateful. Grateful for this opportunity to stand before your people. Uh, Thank you that I'm not alone. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your faithfulness and teaching us your word and teaching us through your word who you are. I pray that we would come before you with open hands, Willing and ready to receive whatever you have for us. but I pray that we would get rid of any preconceived ideas that we may think we need this morning. And you give us what you want to give us in this word. And and I pray that for myself also, that all the things that I think I need or I think I need to say and do... I pray that that is given over to you right now, and you would be the one that leads and guides this message, guides our hearts through this message, convicts it, encourages it, motivates it to do your will, to glorify you, to honor you with our lives. God, be honored, be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be in First uh, Peter. I will continue uh, what looks like it's going to be a long series uh, in the a book of First uh, Peter. Uh, it's going to it's going to take a little bit. Especially, I'm only going to co- cover it looks like four verses. Um, so I'm still in the first chapter. This is the fourth sermon in First Peter. But uh, yeah, we got time, right? Um, and so, uh, man. I was having a conversation with someone um, earlier this week and, um, and you know when you're having a conversation with, sometime, uh, with, with someone and everything's been good and then all of a sudden they say there's one little thing that you're like, I actually don't agree with that one but I'll just keep nodding my head. You know what I mean? You ever <laughs> done that before? Well I had one of those uh, this week and uh, you know I don't jump into every argument you know, I try not to jump into our, uh, every argument that'll uh, save marriages, they'll save lives, they'll save uh, all kinds of, save friendships, saves a lot. And so I didn't jump into this one, but I thought about it because it really wasn't a big deal. But what they said was, um, we're just talking about this whole COVID thing, this whole pandemic. And, and, and they mentioned how it has caused people to lose their belief. They lose their faith, and, and I, when I heard that, I, I never heard that, and I never even thought that throughout this whole COVID situation, and I'm, I know I'm extremely blessed to have uh, um, Pillar Church as my uh, frame of reference of what it looks like. I know I'm blessed to have that, and so when, when it was said, I said, what? I didn't see that. I didn't sense that. I, I said this myself. I didn't change my face or anything, but... And, and but what she said, what she, what she was saying what, was that it caused people to start fearing, right, to come to church because of the pandemic. And, and, and it caused people to, um, you know, question, you know, you know, how important church is and how much uh, important Christianity is for them. And, and so I said to myself, man, that was actually a good thing. <laughs> And I thought to myself, like, man, that was good. Um, because what happens when situations happen in our life, what, what I'm learning and what we'll learn today in First Peter is what happens in the midst of a trial, it's not, if you're a believer, it doesn't actually cause you to run away. It actually causes you to go deeper. I mean, the scriptures are clear about that. <laughs> Trials, causes Christians to go deeper. It creates uh, a heart that says that there is only one thing I can count on. <laughs> when our body starts to fail us, right, in the weight room, we say, oh, okay. Things will start to break down in the home, right? Things start to break down at your work, workplace. It, it, it draws your heart to God. Because in that moment, you see your inability to control the situation. And so what, what, what trials, I, I would say, in, in the Bible, I, I would say, and we're going to see that today, that trials actually um, causes us to love and know him more. I'm not going to be able to use this Bible. Too much wind. I'm going to close that. Just use my electronic device. Uh, I'm going to read. Um, our passage after I find it all right 1st Peter we're in chapter 1 1st Peter chapter 1 um, yeah verse 5 you're being guarded or kept by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be re- revealed in the last time you rejoice in this even though now for a short time If necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though is perishable, is refined by fire. It may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. Because you are receiving the goal of your faith. The salvation of your souls. I'm going to stop there in verse 9 because I'm, I, I, I made the decision that I'm only going to do those few verses. So I'll, I'll stop there. And then let me, uh, give me one second. got to f- get my Bible out. Because I'm not going to be able to use the physical copy. Um, okay. I'm in the right spot. All right. So... What we see in the beginning, uh, verse five. Sorry. Sermon notes. Sermon outline. You're being guarded. You're being guarded uh, by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So what we we've talked about First Peter. Um, a couple times how how this situation that they're in is are Peter's writing into a situation that they're in the midst of persecution whether that be from the Emperor Nero, uh, just killing Christians and they had already seen a bunch of uh, persecution Peter especially has seen a bunch of it he was a part of uh, the, the the first church in Acts and he was actually being persecuted um, it, 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 there were several times where uh, Peter and the other apostles would go to the street and preach the gospel, and they would be jailed, and then uh, they would be released and told not to preach the gospel anymore. And they were flogged and beaten. And then, in one occasion, you see them um, uh, leaving after they got flogged or gotten beaten. Uh, they were praising God for considered worthy to be a part. Of, of God's mission, being suffering as Christ suffered. And so that you see that um, with them. And, so, and, and then now you have a church that has been dispersed because of persecution that Peter is writing to to encourage, to, uh, to remind them, I would say, and I, I'm not sure if I said this enough, but to remind them of their identity, to remind them who they are and whose they are. And so this is this is Peter's letter to us. Hey, let me remind you in the midst of of your persecution uh, of the trial that you're currently in. Okay, let me remind you who you are and whose you are. And and so the question that possibly caused this in verse five, this response, you're being guarded by God's power, meaning you're being kept. You're, you're being protected by God's power. This may be in response to them thinking, you know what? If, if Am I going to face a trial? Am I going to face a ch- situation that is so difficult, that is so hard, that I'm going to recant? Am I going to face something so hard, so difficult, that is going to cause me to lose my faith? Right? Like, like the lady was saying to me, it's, this COVID has caused people to lose their faith their belief in God, is there something going to be so bad? Well, Romans 8.28 says, nothing shall separate us, right? Nothing shall separate us. Guys, I, I, I think this, this questioning goes to, e- even for me, I'm, I'm a b- born-again believer, believe that I cannot lose my salvation. I know that he ke- has me in my hands. He has me in his hands. And I still sometimes question, like when you get on a, elevator and the elevator is kind of packed right and you say golly what's the weight limit here and you look to the right and and you you check that weight limit because you're like can can it hold us you know and then all of a sudden you stop at another floor and three more people and you're like and you recheck the 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 uh, weight limit and and it's and and basically what was happening is is that these guys are rethinking this is some serious persecution going on. We're, we're losing our jobs, we're losing our families. Um, we, we, I'm not even sure we can, we have our next meal coming. Will I stay, will I continue to believe that God has me? Just, just questioning. We, we, see, we see John do it, right? I don't know if y'all remember when, when John said, was in jail after being persecuted, you know, this is a born again. I mean, this is a, a man that, that has been called by God specifically, John the Baptist. And he says he sends one of the disciples to go, hey, am I supposed to be waiting on somebody else to come? There's a questioning in the midst. What a persecution There's not a falling away, but a, a questioning. So so if your heart is questioning, I'm not saying that you are not a believer I'm, say, I, I'm saying that that's what happens in the midst of persecution. But what does he say? He says God will keep you by his power. So that's why I, I believe I, I disagree so much with that idea that we needed this local church for people to believe. We need a pillar church to exist so, so believers could believe. That's silly. It is God's power that keeps you it is God's power that holds you and protects you and in the midst of your greatest ordeals and sufferings he gives you strength he gives you what you need in those moments so I I say to myself I say to you Peter says to this church in the midst be comforted that God is faithful He will hold you, he will keep you during this time. As a believer, we we must remember, it was not our power that saved us in the first place. When I came to to Christ uh, 25 years ago, I'm not sure of the time, I'm just saying 25. When I came to Christ 25, I could, I, 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 I was in this building as an unbeliever. God preaches the gospel. I didn't feel one way or another before he preached the gospel. I felt a total different way after I heard the gospel. It was God's power that saved me, and it's God's power that will keep me through the most difficult times in my my life. Um, What does this look like maybe in our lives? It looks like going um, into... So let me just read verse 5 again. You're being guarded, right? By, by God's power. Through faith for a salvation, it is ready to be revealed. Ready to be revealed. I haven't had th- this thought much cross my mind uh, about facing persecution. But I believe that that in the midst, God will give me the words. He says it. I, I, don't, I don't think that, man, I'm about to lose my salvation. I mean, I, I really don't have this thought very much, but it's amazing that, that the enemy will throw this into our minds. He will do it. And I've seen this happen time after time in people's lives, and I have to remind them of God's faithfulness. Uh, Matthew 10, 18, and 19. But when they handed you over, don't worry about how or what you should speak, for you will be given what to say at that hour, because you are not speaking, but the Spirit of the Father is speaking through you at that time. Isn't that a comforting verse? Uh, Me and Jose, I think we talked about that this week. Like, what do I say? I'm talking to this person, I don't know how to respond in those moments god will by his spirit give us words it is not remember it's not your power that's going to save them anyway it's god's power that saves us and keeps us maybe you're here today or listening online that and 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 thinking about god's power didn't keep you in that moment and this is hard for me to to talk about this but but in that moment Maybe you felt like God didn't keep you those years ago when you face that really difficult situation. Maybe that abuse. And you strayed. You, you lost your faith, you say. The Bible says, says in those moments that he will keep the one who is saved. The one who believes. And I ask you in love to call upon God if 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 he didn't keep you in that moment i would say you got to you think about man was i following a crowd was i following a bunch of nice people was i saying a lot of christian things but not believing it i say this out of love repent There's no shame in repenting and saying, man, I thought I was saved, but but I wasn't. Repent. Call upon God. and He'll love you and he'll care for you. He'll come. He'll change your life. He'll call you to himself and he'll hold you and keep you by his power. No, you didn't lose your salvation. Maybe you never had it. I hate to say that, maybe you never had it. There's a small portion in, 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 in the CSB that says, through faith. I'm not sure if your, your translation says it. You're being guarded by God's power through faith. Ephesians 2.19 says it is by grace through faith that we are saved. And the faith we have is not from us. It literally says that in Ephesians 2:19, go look at it when you get a chance. God started and God will finish it. The one who is in God does not have to worry, but they will, they will be kept in the hardest and most challenging situations. This is interesting because there is worry. There is worry in us, a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time the, uh, the last part of that verse says looking at verse um, 5 again for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time Romans 8 18 is for it says, it says for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us so right now In our suffering, right now, in the midst of their sufferings, whether it be Nero or them just uh, 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 the Romans and even Jewish people uh, persecuting the, the, the new Christians. He says that the glory that God has prepared for me is not even comparable. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Amen. 2 Corinthians 4.17 For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. 1 Peter 4.13 says it. Said, Instead rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is is revealed it says for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time Uh, a couple sermons ago we or a couple messages ago we 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 talked about we're living this living hope we have a a hope that is different from the world and so when we think about judgment day when we think about christ's return we think about death we recognize that we are longing for something that is glorious and great. And so in the midst of our sufferings, we long for those things. Verse six. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, for a short time, our time here on this earth. That's what he's talking about. Short time, if necessary. Wow. If necessary, you suffer grief in in various trials are you going through a trial right now whether well, small various he says various big small they're all they're all tools of God you rejoice in this even though for a short time uh, I, I like how the KJV links um, the verse 5 and verse 6 he says wherein. in so in, in, in response to in response to verse 5 Is ready to be revealed in the last time. Uh, The King James says, wherein ye greatly rejoice in those things. You greatly rejoice in those last times. Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptation. This is an exciting letter. It's talking about suffering, but this is uh, 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 the first chapter is all exciting. This excite believers that we will, in the last time, face Jesus. He will judge us and reveal himself to us fully, fully. Mm. And we will fully know him, and he will fully know us. And what we did during our time will be shown to be beautiful and a reflection of him. The short time, like I said, is, is here on earth. It is the rejoicing that, that can only come from one who believes that his life is guarded and kept by God. Only a person who has given himself to God as a servant, a willing submitted vessel, can say, I rejoice in this trial. I rejoice in, in, in this trial. Even though now for a short time, life here on earth, if, if necessary, You suffer grief in various trials. Acts 5, 41. I I think this is a a really good description of of what Peter is trying to tell the church right now. He says, they called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Wow. Wow. That has always been a weird passage to me. That's always, even even now I read that and I'm like, wow. In in my study, I did get a glimpse of of, of what, wow, in the midst of suffering, yes. When I think about my sufferings, I think about the hardest times in my life. I say, yes, there was just a, a, in me, welling up, a rejoicing that I serve a living God. So far, this letter is really exciting. It is surrounded by much suffering and persecution, but this is Peter, the motivator, the encourager here, reminding them how blessed they are and how much they have to be excited about. This best, the, the, this best of everything is theirs in, in the resurrected Christ, the living hope. Acts 16, uh, Act 16 has another one. The crowd joined them and attacked Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And then they find themselves, Paul and Silas found themselves where? In jail. And what are they doing? Singing and praising God after they had been beaten and flogged. Guys, what I said at the beginning, what trials do to to do with Christians, they usually bring out the Christian. A deeper level, a deeper rejoicing, a deeper deeper passion for him. So if you if you if you if you look at a lot of you know, Pastor and talked about it, we we see a lot of falling in the church. We see a lot of issues in the church. I I I think what we need to realize is that God will keep those who are in the faith. He will keep those who are in the faith. Something about having nobody having something about nobody having your back is something about that knowing that you're on an island by yourself something about that causes causes you to rejoice i don't know if y'all've ever felt that i've felt it i've felt it when everyone was against these men they fell in love with god the most Paul and Silas, in jail, after being beaten, when everybody fell away, they fell in love with God the most. Their faith was strongest when they had the least going for them here on this earth. That's what, that's what, this, that's what trials and, and hurt does to us. We rejoice in these moments because what has always been true is always true. What has always been true is made so clear in the midst of a trial, so clear that my wife isn't God, my source of fulfillment. In the midst of a a painful, hard argument with my wife, in the midst of that, where I'm so angry, what do I learn? That she's not my fulfillment. She will not satisfy my deepest longings purpose and meaning so much easier to come out of out of that loving her and caring for her because I am not leaning on her to be God in my life that's what trials do that's why that's why we we, you know some counselors are, are, are excited when they when they hear oh you've been arguing good It excites them because they're like, oh, we're bringing out all these misconceptions about who this person that you you married. We rejoice in moments because what has always been true is made clear in trials. When the job doesn't keep your position and they do something different than what they told you when they hired you. Promise you that raise. When they do, when they, when they fail to do what they, what they said they would do, or when a person fails to do what they promised they would do, a brother, a sister, a cousin, in those moments when they leave you stranded, what happens to the one who believes and loves God causes them to see God more clearly and say, oh. You're actually the only one that I can lean my life into. You're the only one that I can put full hope in. Nobody else is God but you. That's, that's basically what, what, what we learn. Nobody else is God but God. I remember that my job isn't God. I remember that my wife isn't God. I remember... That, that, that this friend, this person, I remember that the money that I, all the money that I just lost is not God because I don't have any, and now it's clear that only God is God. It says, if it's necessary. When I read this, it made me think about if it was necessary. I think about the necessity of Jesus. I think about the necessity of his sufferings. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Keeping an eye, uh, our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured the cross. It was necessary for him to endure the cross. It was necessary for him to come to earth, to suffer, to die for our sins. It was necessary. And, 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 and God says to us, or, or Peter says, if it's necessary for you to suffer, Whatever is necessary to accomplish God's will, he's going to do it if it's necessary. Matthew 26, 39, going a little further, he fell face down and prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. If it's another way to accomplish your will, let let it be that way, because this is agonizing. This hurts. Yet. Not as I will, but as you will. It was necessary to accomplish God's will. Jesus had to come to this earth. He had to live a perfect life. He had to suffer and die for our sins. He had to rise from the grave. It was necessary. This was what God called him to as the God man. Verse seven tells us if it's necessary so that the proven character. This is why it's necessary at times (laughs) so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Keep saying that the revelation of Jesus Christ it's gonna be an exciting moment. Seems to refine your faith, to cause your heart to know and believe Him more. That's that's what trials do. It refines you, just like 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 when when they refine gold, and they bring it and they 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 take what's there and make it more beautiful. They purify it and they make it more valuable in the refining process. That's what trials do to the believer. We become more like him. We become more, we we, we are sanctified to refine your character so that when you show up on the last day and Christ is revealed to you praise. Y'all look if if you look look with me at, at, at verse seven. Well, what will show up on that last day? Praise, glory, and honor will be the response. Now, this is reading commentaries. I I wasn't sure which way to go with this, but I'm, I'm leaning towards this is praise to us. Sounds dangerous, right? I'm leaning towards this is praise to us but not praise in the sense that God is praising us as an equal, not praising or glorifying us as if we are deity, praise as, look at this beautiful bride that I've created through the tool of trials and tribulations. Praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Christ, when we are revealed to Christ and Christ reveals himself to us with this moment, this amazing moment of praise, glory, and honor. Because of us, he sees us. That's how, that's how intimately involved he is with us and loves us. He says, look at this beautiful work of art Look at the work that I've done. And what does that do? Glorify not me, but that glorifies God. I think a great description of this is when we see Ephesians 2, 5 27 it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church. The husband-wife thing is just an analogy to help us. <laughs> this is what he's talking about. Listen, this is what he's really talking about. He did this to present the church to himself in, some of your translations says, glory, splendor. Mine says, splendor, glory, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. This is this, is this moment of Christ's Revealing himself to us and us revealing ourselves to Christ is this moment of of excitement and jubilation because of what God created in us through trials and tribulations. Verse 8 says, though you have not seen him, though you have not seen him, you love him, though not seeing him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. In the midst of your hardest times when you're crying and you got this, this excitement in you about who God is, but, but tears are still flowing and, and pain and hurt are still flowing, inexpressible and glorious joy. Your faith in God is not diminished, is not lost, is not broken at all. In that moment, you love him even more. You're so grateful to his love and his patience with you and... and, and and in those trials, you, there's an inexpressible and glorious joy. Though you have not seen him, you love him. I haven't seen him. 25 years ago when I became a believer, I came into that building with all those high school students not knowing him. I left knowing him and loving him. How does this happen? This is a supernatural moment where God redeems your heart and calls you to himself. I went in there, man, I was a pretty good high school student. Wasn't smoking, wasn't drinking, wasn't having sex. I was a pretty good high school student. Why in the moment of God convicting my soul that I think I was the the worst person in that room? That is really interesting. That is, that is a miracle. That is God redeeming my soul. That is God doing something where though I haven't seen him, I still hadn't seen him, but now I all of a sudden love him. I love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him. I went into that building not believing me. I come out believing. You're not gonna debate somebody into believing. You're not gonna articulate so clearly that all of a sudden they believe in God. No, that wasn't what happened to me and that's not what happened. If you think about it, that's not what happened to you. It was God manifest his power and showed you your sin and you repented and you turned and you said, God, take it all, and you said, thank you for Jesus. i never seen him, but I love him. Peter is talking to believers. He is not challenging them towards loving God. He's not saying, hey, you need to love God more. No, he's just saying, hey, you love God. You, You notice the trials that you're going through, how they cause you to love God more? When they read this, they know what it means. <laughs> Just like when I said it, you knew what I meant. They have they felt and experienced a love for God. They haven't seen him, but they believe in him. John 20, verses 29. Thomas, this is what he says about us. This, the, the, us on this side of the Old Testament, New Testament people. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger and see my hands and put your hand in a place uh, in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? He's talking to us right here, talking about us. Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. And we're blessed. I love God. I believe in God. I went from not believing in one moment to believing. And you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful verse. What a beautiful verse that that it will transcend all understanding in the midst of your trials. You, don't have to, you won't be able to explain it to an unbeliever. You won't be able to explain it to sometimes a believer. That what you're facing, what you're going through, your love for Christ, your joy, your, the glorious joy that you feel. I think a, a question that needs to, to be addressed in this verse is, do I love him or how do I know if I love him? John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commands. you love me, you'll keep my commands. Uh, John 15, 5 through 10 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be a disciple, showing yourself to be a Christian. As, and this is the part, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Now remain in my love. Remain lovable? No, remain in my love. Remain remain understanding my love for you, not your love for me. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Not if you keep my, cam- my commands, you'll be saved. <laughs> you will remain in my love when you allow me to guide you. When you allow me to be your every step, every moment. Remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands And remain in his love. He's not trying to remain lovable by God, right? And we're not trying to be lovable. He loves us. That's why he sent his son for us. He already loves us. That was the response of him sending Jesus Christ for us. Here's where where I was going with that. In in verse 8, it says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you're not seeing him now, you believe in him. And and I'm thinking to myself, how do I know if I actually believe? How do I actually know if I love? Do I run to his love? Do Do I obey his commands not so that I can look good and not be in trouble as a pastor? Do I run to him because I love him? Do I obey his commands and they're not a burden to me? Verse nine. Because you are receiving the goal of your faith. That's what we want to know. What's the goal here? <laughs> What's the goal? Of all this trial and tribulation. Man, I can do, I can, I can deal with it better if I just knew where we were going, right? Don't you say Don't you think that? If I just knew where we were going, I could suffer through this. Because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The goal of your faith, what you learn during your trial is actually the goal. When he presents you, when he presents himself and reveals himself, there is the goal right there, that moment where he shows praise, that praise, glory and honor. That's the moment, the moment that we will be with him in the, in, 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 uh, in, in the end of time, that we will be that's the goal that he will present us spotless, without blemish. The testing of our character, uh, the the, the, the character development that we learn and grow in our trials is the goal. Just like, but so what? So what? Once again, I, I just don't think I can explain it to someone who hadn't an experienced and tasted and seen. Just, just yesterday, this week, just several times, I opened up my word in the morning, and I, I couldn't believe how great he was. I couldn't believe how glorious he was and how he was working in my heart, and he was teaching me and, 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 and causing me to repent. And causing my heart to, to confess, because you are receiving the goal of your faith. How it's so precious to know that God is still working in me, working working in me, creating me, and causing me to be holy, more set apart, more like His Son. You say, man, what? I, I, there's a story that uh, a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine told me, he probably didn't even remember the story, he probably didn't remember he telling me. You know, 15 years ago, he said there was a wise old man that told a, a young, young buck, uh, just talking to him about getting, um, just being wiser in life. And he, I don't remember everything about the story, but I just remember this part, where he, 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 told, he sent the, the young man out, he said, hey, can you go push that rock? It's, it's blocking the driveway. Can you go push that rock? It was a big, big rock. It wasn't just a little small. Big rock, can you push it over to the side that people can just drive straight? And, and the kid said yes. And so he went out. It was his job. It was something that the, that the man told him to do. And he pushed and pushed, and he pushed and pushed, and it might have slid a couple of inches. And then the next day, he, he goes out again, he's like, you're good, just just get it done, I just need it done. And then after a couple of weeks of doing the same thing and the rock, only a few inches, just a few inches, and it's like, this is useless. What is this all about? I've been suffering, I've been pushing this rock, I've been, you know, leading my family. I've been loving and caring. I've been doing these dishes. I've been working all night. I've been 15. I've just been pushing this rock and nothing's happening. And the old man said, hey, look at your legs. Look at your arms. Remember that first day you only pushed for 10 minutes? And then the next day you push for 15. Yesterday, I just saw you out there for two and a half hours pushing that rock. Look how much stronger you are. You're getting somewhere. You're going somewhere. Look at your triceps. Look at your biceps. Look how, look how healthier you are, much healthier you are. Facing that rock on every day. Because God told you to. God called you to it. He said, just continue. Continue to push. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love. For your gracious. Graciousness towards our disobedience and Sometimes selfish actions and even our selfish prayers. (laughs) Thank you for your grace. Sometimes we just want the trial to end. We just say, "God, just stop it." And 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 as a father, we are so thankful that we get to talk like that. We get to say, "God, help, (laughs) help, make it stop, make it end." Thank you. But forgive us for, for not being willing to trust you in those times where we just say, God, you didn't come through. Where actually you were actually producing the what is most important. Character building. You're, you're, you were creating in us something that that would make us more like your son, Jesus. And that was the goal of this tool called, this this persecution or this trial. And so forgive us for not recognizing it at times. I just pray that our hearts would just be, be aware whether the obstacle is small or big. I, I pray that we would be aware that you're gonna keep us in your power, that you're gonna keep us in the midst of our greatest trials, and even our smallest temptations. You're gonna keep us in those moments. You're gonna hold us in those moments. And I just pray that we would just be willing to, to pray the right way in those moments, that you would continue the work. As Jesus said, take this cup from me but not as I will but as you will do if it's necessary God just do it what a moment what a moment it will be when when I come face to face with you and I haven't given up hope and I haven't given up faith and I'm continually walking with you, trusting you, believing what a glorious moment it'll be. What a glorious moment it'll be for us in that last time. God, thank you. Thank you. Amen.